Hello and welcome to the Clockwork Game Design Podcast. I am your host, Keith Bergun. Today I have an interview with Brett Lowy, the solo game dev uh, behind the Brain Good Games games, uh, which you've certainly heard about before. This is Brett's second time coming on the show. So if you missed my first conversation uh, with him, uh, it was a couple of years ago at this point, but uh, definitely go back and check that out. I'll leave that in the show notes. Brett has made a ton of really cool games uh, from Militia, Axes and Acres. More recently, he has done uh, Solar Settlers, which has been uh, kind of one of his bigger hit games. Um, and uh, Mino Strategos, which is one of my favorites. Really a cool, interesting, different game designer. Some of the, one of the few people out there that's working on the project of single player strategy games. Um, uh, he used to write more game design theory type of stuff over on his blog at the Brain Goods blog, uh, Brain Good Games blog. Um, not as much recently, although recently, you know, we, we, we're always talking about game design theory and, uh, I hope that Brett, uh, continues to do some, some more theory in, in the future, because as you can hear from this conversation, he's, uh, very, very much thinking a lot about the ways to make better strategy games, which is what we are all about here on the Clockwork Game Design Podcast. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, before we, uh, head into the interview, I want to just give a little bit of, uh, background on what's going on. Um, I, I've been trying to figure out a new way to grow my audience, um, particularly my Patreon, uh, campaign, which has been pretty static for the last year, despite, um, me trying a different few different things. Um, over the last couple of years, I've been, I launched a couple of different video series, which like went reasonably okay, sort of well. Um, and, uh, but there's so much work and it's really difficult for me to, to really pursue, uh, being a video making person and also at the same time be a game developer. Because ultimately if I only was able to do one thing, it would be the game development. Like that's the thing that's not budging. That's the most important thing because that's the laboratory of game design. And uh, right now I'm working on Gem Wizards Tactics. I'm streaming every day pretty much, every weekday, just about. Here and there, there's some uh, hiccups. But uh, just about every weekday uh, at a 1 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to be trying to stream. Uh, today I'm actually missing that because I'm editing this right now. But uh, I will stream a little bit today, uh, later on. And uh, yeah, so so I reached out to my patrons and to some people on my Discord asking like, what what do you think I can do uh, to help grow my audience? And so if you have any ideas about that, um, if you find what I do useful, be it this podcast, which is not going anywhere, I'm going to keep maintaining this podcast for, uh, it's now, this is going to be its fifth year. Uh, it's a five-year anniversary in October uh, of this year. So that's pretty exciting. Um so this podcast I'm going to keep doing, I will occasionally write game design articles. I think I'm going to like make a rule for myself not to do videos because it's just so time consuming uh, compared to everything else that I do. And um, so uh, to do it well, you know, and to really, really bring it with the video editing. And um, so so I'm probably going to stop that and, and I'm not going to do as much of the article stuff, uh, but I am going to do podcasts. I have a few new um, episodes queued up, ready to go. Uh, and, and that's the other thing is daily game dev streaming. And, and actually the last few days, um, last week or so, since I've been doing that, we've gotten good turnouts. One day we had like 15 people on the stream at once. And, uh, that was, that was, that was the current record. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking for ways to, I'm going to be revamping the Patreon tiers. Um, if you are a patron, expect to get a message about that soon. 
Um, and I just sent out a question uh, asking like, hey, how can I how can I do this show better? How can I uh, be a be a more interesting and helpful um, resource online in terms of game development? Because, uh, you know, I, I think I have a decent amount of things to teach people in terms of how to make games, how to be a game developer. Uh, I've been doing it for quite a bit of time at this point. So, uh, yes, anyways, that's what I'm working on right now. Gem Wizards Tactics is going really well. Dragon Bridge is almost done. Uh, it's uh, just a matter of uh, sending it out to the printer, which will happen in a couple of weeks. And it's going to be sent out. And I think we're on schedule with Dragon Bridge, which is great. We are doing one last Dragon Bridge uh, tournament. We've done two already. They were really great successes. They were really a lot of fun. And we learned a lot about the game and balancing it and everything. We're going to do one more for any like last minute changes to characters, making sure that all the characters are balanced and interesting and fun to play. Um, the the last five characters, the ones that we added as a result of the uh, of the Kickstarter stretch goal, have have been you know the thing that we're mainly working on, making sure that they're up to snuff. But the whole game, really, um, we've been adding, changing things, and improving it a lot. And it's you know it's one of those situations where. Three months ago, four months ago, the game was great. I was like really happy with it. When we launched the Kickstarter, I, I loved the game. And it's just gotten so much better since then that it's uh, it's very exciting. So I'm very proud of Dragon Bridge. And uh, thank you everyone to who kickstarted it, obviously, and to all my patrons. And without any further ado, I will now present to you my conversation with Brett Lowy. So yeah, Brick Road, how is it going? Good to see you, Brett Lowy. I call you Brick Road because we chat often on Discord, and that's how I often think of you, is by your screen name. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I've been playing a lot of games lately, thinking about a lot of games, and yeah, I have a I also, ideas that I don't want to talk to you about. Yes, yes, we have many ideas to get to. I also want to say uh, you've been a really amazing and crucial playtester on Dragon Bridge to the extent where we actually refer to one of the rules in the game as the Brick Road rule. Um, and uh, and that rule has survived um, partially in due, due to your uh, making a really good case for it. Um, but it's the rule where uh, the, a new card, when you start a new nest, um, which is the area where cards go when they're played, um, uh, when you start a new one, you draw one from the deck so that like there's a little bit more information being seen by players and it changes certain things and that kind of stuff, which I believe you came up with that rule um, or you proposed it, um, which I think it's, it is a very good rule and uh, improves the game a lot. So thank you so much for your help with uh, Dragon Bridge. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I really enjoy the game, and uh, I'm happy to help out with it however I can. So I'm glad it's been at least somewhat helpful. Yay! So uh, uh, before we get into like super deep uh, theory territory, where we talk about all kinds of game design theory stuff, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, like what's new with you and what you're doing, working on, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So for Brinket Games, uh, right now I'm working on like a set of tools to make it easier to make prototypes, basically. So I'm sort of thinking about it like as board game components in a way. Like, so I've been working on uh, tools for making it really easy to make custom cards and custom dice, and uh, to have those cards and dice go into specific zones, and and the different types of boards, like making it easy to switch between like hex grids and rectangular grids, and so on and so forth. So a little bit like a tabletop simulator, but like actually a lot more because um, tabletop simulator is almost like a, like a 3D modeling program or something like it has no right. rule enforcement whatsoever. So yours has a little bit more of that kind of stuff. 
yeah, it's like a scaffolding to make it easy to add the rules enforcement. Um, like nice. so, where I'm spending most of the time uh, working on the game, like just implementing the specific rules of the game, rather than implementing like, yeah, uh, production details or whatever. That is a massive. So for for you know someone like both of us who are game designers who also have to implement our game designs, we have spent so much time doing the technical work, a lot of re wheel reinventing, um, yeah. you know, like constantly, and and it's hard to avoid that. Um, and so that's really exciting. I'm really uh, pumped to hear more about that. Yeah. Well, the idea is sort of like I want it to be easy to. I think the easier that I make it to make the games, like spin them up programming-wise, uh, first of all, you just get to test your idea quicker, which is nice, right? But secondly, the kind of secret benefit that I'm hoping for is it's going to be easier to kill bad ideas because mm -hmm. I haven't invested so much time into them. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast with Reiner Knizia, and he was talking about how, like, he's obviously a very prolific game designer, board game designer. And um, he was talking about how, um, like, he'll... Uh, prototype a whole bunch of games and and give them only like an hour or two to see if there's like anything interesting there or whatever and i really like that idea of like being able to quickly just churn through ideas and just see what's like sticking you know but yeah to do that when you have to implement it from the ground up every time absolutely and i mean i um i think my a couple of my recent games uh both chess mix and escape the omnocronom really like i could have saved a total of like two years probably worth of time um i mean i think there there is a count a, a counter argument to it that you know not all ideas start out seeming awesome and it, it yeah. may be may be the case that you know if you put in an extra six months on this thing like it starts to become awesome like that is a thing that's possible but i think as a general matter of policy that's a it's a bad game development policy because most yeah. ideas aren't going to work out uh statistically and so on a practical level i think that yeah burning these like eh who knows maybe this has a potential someday but like i'm it's not worth my like lifetime to sp invest a year to find out you know yeah and sort of like anecdotally like the games that i've found that i've made that have been that i'm the most proud of i've found have been sort of correlated with the ones that have come together easiest mm. which is sort of weird like it's you know you would sort of expect that the more blood sweat and tears you pour into each design then it's going to be like those are going to be your favorites or whatever but i think <laughs> More for me, like, and I'm not speaking for anybody else's experience, but more for me, what's happened is like I'll be chasing an idea that I loved in the beginning, and just trying to like fix the fundamental problems, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then just sort of never <laughs> get there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there. Like, yeah. yeah, I think I I do think there's something to be said for both of these. Uh, for me, like the game I'm still most proud of probably is Oro, and that was mm -hmm. a game where. For the first yeah. like year or two, it was really quite terrible, and uh, and but I always kind of like had this vision, and that's I think that's the thing too is it's not so much about time as it is about like momentum, and uh, yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. like design momentum, and maybe it takes you two years to get there, but like as long as you always have that momentum and that vision towards like no 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 I know this thing is going to be great I I see how it can be great, totally. whereas um you know like for me with chess mix for example like I I don't I don't see the path. To from where it is now to where it could become like this cool, fun, great thing. And that, that kind yeah. of design momentum and that inertia is, I think, really, regardless of how long or hard you work on the thing, yeah. uh, it's maybe more about that inertia. Yeah, totally. I think that like, yeah, a momentum or like uh, motivation to continue something or yeah, a vision or whatever is like the most important thing in 
maybe any this is like kind of like a big claim but it's like maybe in any creative thing yeah like, you need to um yeah want to work on it or whatever but yeah so like i you know reframing it a little bit like that's sort of what i'm going for with this tool right like where i can pump out a bunch of prototypes and then find one that kind of like inspires me you know like like sort of backwards from what you're saying but it's like i can see because i've played like the core of this thing and implemented like a very rudimentary version like i can use that to fuel the further motivation right yeah yeah no absolutely um yeah, that, that's cool. Uh, how about, um, are you working on any uh, actual, like, you know, rules sets, games of your own? I, I The uh, Brick Road, or sorry, the Brain uh, Good games have uh, had a certain sort of release schedule, which I don't think was ever necessarily intentional, but it, you just always had these games come out, I think, like, one to two t- times a year or something like that yeah. for a while. And uh, it seems like since... Um, since your last one it's been what uh it's been like a couple of years now maybe yeah or? uh no uh militia 2 uh oh militia 2 right of course which i even helped with so i don't know why i'm forgetting that one but yes That's okay yeah yeah you helped uh make some music for it and it was awesome and i really appreciated that and uh i really like the music still right and um but uh yeah so that was in august so that's i don't know whatever yeah half a year ago that. that's true i guess oh, you're still on like, track quote quotes air quotes do uh I ha- and yeah i have like a binder of uh game design ideas that i've been poking around with um but yeah i don't know i just felt like it would be a good idea to like take a step back and work on some process stuff mm. uh, rather than jumping right to the next project it, it felt like a good point in uh i don't know the bring a games career or whatever mm-hmm. to do that do you um you have a physical binder where you have your game design stuff in? Yeah. Yeah. I've sort of like uh, devolved all of my like uh, project management stuff to like physical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why exactly. Actually, I think I might have seen you on stream like playing with sticky notes like for sticky your Sticky notes are great. And yeah. then I was like, this, yes, I want to like write down the tasks and crumple them up. So now yes. like on my desk right now, I'm looking at like a bucket that I've filled up with crumpled up sticky notes. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know, there's something visceral and feels good about like going back to that physical thing so yeah i have like a binder of like literal paper uh prototype ideas that nice uh yeah cool um all right so let's get into uh some of the theory stuff that uh, we wanted to talk about um let's see what we got here uh so i know we had well do you have a particular topic that you wanted to start off with yeah so um yeah i've been thinking about this particular thing a bunch uh and i'm not exactly sure how to get into it so i'll just try away <laughs> sure but um so we were talking on the discord earlier uh you and me and a whole bunch of other people about um this idea about in a game with simultaneous actions or like yomi mechanics right like rock paper scissors or whatever where mm-hmm. both players make a decision and then reveal at the same time um whether the other player's input uh should be uh contextualized as randomness for the designer right, right? for the other player basically sure from the perspective of the other player and uh whatever there's like strong opinions on both sides and we talked about it for a long time and i and i thought it was a really valuable conversation but so i've been thinking about that since and uh i think the new perspective that i've developed a little bit is the reason that that matters (laughs) is like uh i was thinking about the kind of games that i like right because i think a big part of the creative process is like first finding a bunch of things you like and then finding uh, what in those things 
is uh, causing your enjoyment or whatever mm-hmm. or your appreciation. Sure. And then trying to like reverse engineer that, right? So I've been thinking about the games that I like, um, and uh, uh, I sort of came to this framework where I like games that are easy and deep, right? Mm. So you hear a lot of people talking about uh, games that are simple and deep, right? Like the meme is like uh, easy to learn, hard to master, right? Yeah. So uh, like you can think of an examples of that as like chess or go, right? Like the rules are very simple and the game is like that's and that's demonstrably true, right? Mm-hmm. They have simple rules and then they're very deep. Like they resist solution for a long time, right? Mm. But chess and go are not games that I'm interested personally in playing. They're not right? easy. Right. They're not easy to play. Exactly. Right. And so um, I'm, yeah. So then I was like, well, it, that's almost feels like a paradox to say that, right? Like how could a game be? And also like another thing is I don't, so what I'm basically saying is it doesn't matter to me whether the game is complex, right? So I want it to be deep and it could be complex and it could be simple, but I want it to be easy to play. Right. Right. So there's sort of like a third dimension of like these things. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I was thinking about like, okay, well, what makes a game easy or hard to play that's not related to like the complexity of the system yeah right? talk about what you mean by easy because like i just want to say really yeah. quickly um i love this uh, i love the construction of easy i feel like i know what you're saying and i yeah. super agree because like and we've we've talked about similar related things um but yeah talk to me about what do you mean by easy totally so i'll, I'll give a couple examples well okay yeah here i have a i have a list of things that sort of go with easy um, first of all, like when you're playing it, you kind of feel like you can go with your gut, right? You can play by instinct, or I've heard you phrase this as like the players being creative in their moves, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's like room for expression. Um, yeah, and not something where you know the right answer, or you can do a bunch of counting or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or um, another example would be in a game that I would like classify as like hard. It's like where you could maybe figure out what the what an overpowered character might be or something like that and then exploit that sure or something like that. Or, um, or drilling some execution combos yeah. right exactly yeah. that would be like a hard thing right mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of like laborious yeah um, you know uh, so and then yeah so easy games are more like um, you don't get like blindsided by rules or you're not you don't like forget rules or have to like keep track of a bunch of esoteric rules or something like that um it's sort of like uh, amenable to like chunking and like heuristics and um, uh, uh, like thinking about things in terms of like shapes and feelings rather yeah. than like um, numbers and binary black and white things. Yeah. Um, it's hard to talk about. I was talking about this with my wife, but it's hard to talk about this a little bit because what, what I'm basically saying is uh, it's cool when you can play games by feel, right? Mm-hmm. But now yeah. I'm trying to describe playing games by feel in words. Okay, so let, let me just uh, let me add a little bit to it. One thing is I I I I in the context of this conversation, I like the word easy. Other than that, I wouldn't use that word because yeah. of the obviously associations with difficulty, like as in like win yeah. rates and things like that. So like you're totally. not saying you want a game where you have a 90% win chance. No, you're saying, yeah, you're saying you want a game that has, you know, a, a typical win percentage where you're matched against someone of right. similar skill or, or, you know, a single player ELO or something like that. But, uh, and so it's, you'll be winning and losing, you know, roughly half the time, but yeah. 
that there's an ease with which you can play the game. And that is, yeah. that is so, uh, I, I, I want to think more about like their other, other words so that we can tell other people about this without totally. them thinking we're saying that, uh, you know, like games need to be like pushovers or something. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of like baggage, uh, uh, associated with that word. And yeah, yeah I know what you mean. It's hard to communicate this concept because like, I don't know, whatever. Well, especially can, in single-player games. More examples. Yeah. Because single-player games, a lot of them that exist are pushovers. And, you know, yes. people, you know, uh, yeah. So so, so it's it's important that... Because actually what we're, we're suggesting is make weirdly hard, actually, in terms of difficulty, uh, single-player games. Yep. Like ones that yep. where you don't win all the time. Like, what is that? But right. also, <laughs> uh, at the same time, uh, they feel like smooth or, yeah. or you know, from the hip or, yeah, right. th- th- that kind not of stuff. Cu- not cumbersome or fiddly or um, sort of streamlined and like you play like in a flow state or... Um, right. And it's, it's, sort of it's also distinct from... Uh, are you familiar with like type one and type two thinking that whole thing? Yeah. Uh, I, I forget which one's which. But, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. one of them is, like, the hard sort of, like, uh, you know, math kind of calculation, and one of them is more heuristic. But I think yeah. that actually what you're saying is 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 separate from either of those either, right? Because... Maybe, yeah. I, I mean, it's at least of... it's it's closer to the heuristic. I think right. that's type two. Someone correct me. I'm, I'm probably wrong. But it's closer to the heuristic thing, and it leans more on that. But it's actually almost more um, aesthetic and, you know, about the... Um, it's, like... Even the heuristics are sort of because um, you know I think like a game like chess, a lot of people will say, well, chess chess is this kind of easy game because you lean, you're really supposed to like lean more on heuristics, and you're not supposed right. to you're supposed to play kind of fast. And people say that Go, you're supposed to play rather fast, and but that I still don't think those games qualify because they um, they invite a certain kind of thinking. Even uh, even the heuristic thinking uh, still feels like. Um, and it's hard to get completely away from the calculation and, and the, a little yeah. bit of look ahead, right, in those games. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, um, so exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So, like, the, I liked your phrasing, too, where you said that it invites this sort of calculation, right? It's right. sort of the game is telling you that it's going. it could be valuable to do this. Mm-hmm. And so what I, what I was – some of the – so then I got into, like, okay, so what – the important thing to me is what characteristics of these games are causing that, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things in chess is that – um, it has like very harsh punishments for uh, failing to notice something small, right? Yeah. So if you didn't look at the fact that their bishop across the board could go diagonally and take your queen or whatever all mm-hmm. the way across, you know, then you lose your queen and you pretty much lose the game on the spot, right? So the stakes for not doing that calculation are very high, right? It's mm-hmm. like very punishing or strict or whatever, right? Yeah. Or so another thing... That think it's related to this that causes games to be easy <laughs> we need another better term or whatever yeah but, yeah, yeah. Because, uh but we'll just go with that for now for now but, yeah prescriptive so, definition yeah, folks yeah that's right <laughs> um so yeah the, that helps games be like smooth or easy or whatever is the information horizon right mm-hmm. because it's saying like there's going to be new ambiguous information added soon or at some appropriate point so therefore like it, there's le- there's dimin- harsh diminishing returns on you doing all this calculation, right? Because it could be invalidated by the new information that you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that does put a hard a pretty hard cap on that. Um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, or, and and the other yeah. thing is like maybe attention, a type of attention that you need to to look at each detail, which you sort of uh, mentioned with uh, the chess example, where like you must pay attention to every single right. piece, the basically the whole game state you have to like pay serious attention to, and missing one detail can have this massive effect. So there is like a di- a, exactly. a a question of like dynamics and like how much state change can happen per turn yeah. or per input yeah. or whatever, right? That's that's part yeah. of it as well. Yeah, I like that. Uh, state change per turn. Um, just just to help, I think people maybe understand what you mean. Perhaps you could talk about some games that sort of do feel easy in this way that you're talking yeah. about. I do have some examples. Yes. So some games that feel uh, like uh, either simple or complex. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and are deep, but are easy, right? So for example, uh, one example I have here is Castles of Burgundy. Okay, so in Castles of Bergen, are you familiar with this game? I have not played it. I'm very okay. ashamed to have say. You, have you have you played Wingspan? Yes. Okay, so Wingspan is a game that feels like this to me. So there's I I don't even know how many birds in this game. There's a deck of bird cards, right? Mm-hmm. And there's like 150 plus cards yep, or something, something like that. that. It's ridiculous. Like it's it's hard to physically shuffle. <laughs> yeah. So um. There's like a whole bunch of um, semi-known information in the game, right? Like you sort of know what types of birds might be in the deck, but you don't. Nobody really sits in practical, like in uh, in a practical application. Nobody sits down and like studies the deck to find out all of the percentages of the different birds or whatever, right? Right. Um. So, yeah, it's a game where there's a lot of depth that uh, of like the the way that your decisions can be subtly affected by the. Um, probability of different bird types and um like the chaining action like different combinatorics of the chaining actions you can do with the birds and stuff like this but when you play the game it does a whole bunch of things to make it feel easy right so first of all one thing that wingspan does really well is on this axis is that there's only four actions you can do on your turn you can play a bird or you can activate one of your rows of birds right so that's something that I've started calling in my own thinking like an action funnel. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's a big, broad, complex game state, right? Of like the bird cards and the and the, the your board, all the player boards and like the goals that are out and blah, 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 blah. There's tons of like information out there, right? But all of that information is synthesized into this like funnel of you can only do this, 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 or this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is allowing you to like compartmentalize all that information and like disregard chunks of it, right? Yeah. And play with your gut more, right? That's one way that Wingspan does it. Another way that Wingspan does it is you get these like goal cards in the game. So you'll draw a card and it says like, find birds that uh, live in, that have geography terms in their names or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like a mountain sparrow and a, <laughs> I don't know what they're called. I don't know a lot about bird names, but. Yeah. Uh, but so then. If you get overwhelmed by the system, right, and like the decision tree like spreads out too much and uh, gets really complicated and might uh, become like very calculationy, the game kind of like gives you a ready-made heuristic to use if you don't want to do all that brain burning, right? Mm. It says like, hey, you have this goal card and it's still unfulfilled. So um, one heuristic that you could just use is fulfill your goal card, right? Right. Like work towards this. Uh, and you know you're sort of at that point trusting the designer that like if i very efficiently 
uh, line up my goal cards and solve them all, then I'll be rewarded with like a good score or whatever. Right? Yeah, and that kind of stuff to me really makes modern designer board games feel very designed. You know, mm-hmm. it's that that kind of stuff where it's like I'm gonna like set things up so that players have sort of rough ideas of what the strategies are. Like that's one yeah. of the issues with playing these ancient abstracts is like even getting to the point where you figure out like what is of value and like what you know how like for the equivalent in chess of you know those sort of like bird set collection things that you were just talking about yeah. those like pre-made things like getting to that point in chess is is quite hard and there's no yeah. there's no footholds on and go is even worse in that regard there's no like a sort of um designed footholds for players to like latch onto and be like okay well at least i know if I do blankety blank, I'll get blankety blank. Like you don't know shit like you, you know, like, I I mean, high level players start to know that stuff and that that starts stuff starts to, you know, uh, build these lattices of meaning at a certain point, but like, it takes a long time to get there. And I I think of those games as just less designed than a game, uh, like what I think you and I are talking about where, you know, um, uh, where these, these, um, footholds of strategic understanding are built into the system right yeah yeah i think richard garfield richard garfield the designer of magic gathering uh he um he's talked i think about a ladder of heuristics Mm -hmm. that players can climb so it's like the game sort of implies like these low level strategies that kind of like get more subtle and refined into like these deeper strategies and so on right Mm -hmm. but yeah like it's like giving you like you're saying like a foothold into the strategy space like where you can feel like you're um doing something productive or rewarding without having to brain burn through all the implications of everything. Right. Um, Because like learning all the implications of everything is sort of like, that's what makes games interesting to me in the long run. It's like, um, but I don't want to like sit there and calculate them all up front. Like that's, (laughs) that sort of like drains the game of all of its fun. Right. You don't want all the levels at once. Like, I don't want to be dealing with the pro level and the medium level and the intermediate, the beginning level all at the same time. And that's part of that sort of oppressive feeling of playing some hard games to use our nomenclature. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I also think that like, um, so so what struck me when you brought this up uh, is that, um, you know, these concepts, I think, actually are not radical or new the uh, in terms of like what people are going for so i remember there was a there's a there's a board game called it's like it's literally called like easy chess or something like that or like no stress chess that's what it's called oh cool oh cool and no stress chess is like you draw a random card i forget the exact rules but it's something along the lines that there's a deck of cards and you draw a random card and then like you are allowed to move that piece you know what i mean like you're allowed to move a a bishop or something like that like it's you know it's i i i don't think it's it's very crude, and I also think it's it's pretty random, too, right? Like, you could be like, oh, my queen is threatened, but I didn't draw the queen card, so I'm, like, screwed, you know? So so that was – I was just using that as an example to say that, like, for, for many years, people have known about this sort of, like, stressful thing, and they want to make easy games. And what they have ended up doing in the process of that pursuit is made extremely random games, which often actually don't have a lot of depth. Like, that's the that's the um, the, the other edge of this sword, that thing that we would try – that I think 
at least I would really try to avoid doing is making games that, you know, it's it's very easy to make a no stress game or an easy game that mm. is like a like a party game or like you know that that is very lightweight and is very random and you know yes. relies. I think output randomness is is you know heavy output randomness is one of those things where um, you can pretty easily get rid of all the stress when everything is just randomly you know exploding left and right. Uh, yeah, you know, and so that's that's the anyway, so. what's that. Because you can't affect it anyway, like exactly, yeah. So that's the that's the thing to avoid is, and so how and so that's that question of like, uh, how do you make a system that feels not stressful but also doesn't feel like a random party game? You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. So well, the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned no stress chess is like that's an action funnel, right? It's saying like right. there's all this complexity of moves that could be made, but right now you can't make those. You can only make these set of moves, right? Yeah. So it's like parse through those it's like yeah. limiting you know the yeah the big decision tree right so like things that are in your immediate uh view and yeah like like okay so that, but then i'm glad you mentioned like it being too random or whatever right so one thing that i want to mention is like um yeah like the distinction that you're drawing there uh you want to reward people playing with their gut right mm -hmm. so like you can imagine a game like you're talking about that's just completely random like say uh, like war or something or snakes and ladders or yeah you know so that like it doesn't reward anything it's <laughs> just uh completely random right like it doesn't matter what inputs you make you get uh, equal chance of uh, each result right sure but so what you want to do is we're trying not to reward calculation right like we have like harsh diminishing returns on the calculation and stuff and like you won't get punished that much for not calculating. That's like what we're trying to optimize for, right? Making easy, making an easy game like this. Well, what you do want to do is reward people that are kind of like thinking with their gut in the right way, like using valuable heuristics, so they do get a better win rate, right? Or or whatever. Like they mm -hmm. are rewarded for that. So and here's and the one place where I, so I agree with you on that point, right? But like the the one place that we differ a little bit on this is like I don't think the, um. I think it's okay if your win rate is percentage is affected, at least, especially in a multiplayer context. I think if the like if your expected value win rate is modified just a little bit, I think that's okay, like by doing these rough heuristics, right? So like poker like, as an example, or like yeah, um... that's a perfect example. Yeah, so like um, so the problem with that is that you get this invalid feedback, right? Like you play poorly. Like in the short term, you, you sure. can play poorly and get rewarded for playing poorly and you can play well and get punished for playing well. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that like for me personally, it, it, that's OK. Like that's like a I think that's more of like an aesthetic choice and like sort of related to the easiness, but like not on the same axis, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's I don't know what you what sense you mean in as in it's OK, but like what I would just add is like. Yeah, maybe it's okay, but it's better if we can make the game match, like the game give reliable feedback as much as possible within the parameters of being an easy game, right? So like, so yeah. if we can make a game that's easy, like let's say we have game A that's easy and yeah. it gives you a correct, you know, like a reason, like a, a reliable um, or rather uh, like an outcome that's reflective of how you performed, yep. like, I don't know, 60% of the time, 70% of the time. And then we have yep. game B that does it 90% of the time. We prefer game yeah, B. That's, that's probably better. Yeah, I think. Right. Yeah. Because, I, and I the other I thing is, I think I agree with that. I the other, that. the other thing is, uh, that if, you know, uh, like, 
if we accept the like the pokers of the world, uh, then I mean we already have that. Like we you know we don't need game design theory. We're already there. Um, well, we are. I, I will push back on that a little bit though okay. because I think I, I don't think I haven't played well in the board game movement or whatever. Like I've played a bunch of games that have this property right that are, feel easy but deep, but. I think in games at large, like I don't see a lot of people talking about that or trying to optimize for that specifically. Yeah. Um, uh, well, in video so games think, in particular, yeah. Yeah, especially in video games. Um, yeah. But like, uh, yeah. So I think there's like a lot of work that can be done. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, there's a lot of work that can be done making a game like easy and deep, like getting to that game A that we were just talking about mm-hmm. that doesn't reward the feedback or doesn't give uh, that close of feedback or whatever, but even before we get to game B, you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. Um, and I think that that's like a valuable step as well. You know what I'm saying? Like I, well, learning how to make a game that's easy and deep. Okay. Any game that comes out that has come out in the last 20 years, let's say uh digital or physical mm-hmm. um, is, is already game a like uh, in that there are, nobody's making Candyland. Nobody's making war. There's some right. game that where there's literally no, uh, connection between your performance and the outcome right like every single game has at least some uh degree of strategy and skill that is actually reflected and so so i think we're already at game a even if like we want it like i think what we are asking for is more like game b within the the scope of easy games well i see a lot of games that are hard and that well that's what i said within the scope of easy games sorry yeah, uh, I think you cut out first. Oh, um, I said within the scope of easy games. So we're just talking about easy games for now. Yep. Um, okay, sure. In there, we already have game A. Like, and, and actually, all we have is game A. Yeah, there are examples of that. Yeah, like the the like that's sort of where I came at this from. Like the, the a lot of the Euro games that I like playing, like Race for the Galaxy and Wingspan and there's, and Raw and uh, there's a whole Castles of Burgundy and there's a whole bunch of games like that that are that feel easy and deep to me. Right. And I, yeah. yeah, so I, like, that's something that I'm trying to optimize for. But yeah, so what I'm pushing back against is games um, that are hard, right? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. Or, or like calculating or um, like a reward calculation disproportionately or um, whatever. But yeah, I, I definitely take your point that uh, especially in a context where like in a single player game, especially like it's, it's probably a good thing to uh, accurately assess people's um, performance and give proper feedback so that like you're maximizing like the learning per game or whatever yeah yeah and i mean i think that another angle to this is that um you know on one level i guess like i can just say well these are the kinds of games that i i'm interested in playing that i that i'm drawn towards Mm -hmm. um and whatever and because there are people who love chess and go and those kinds of things and and more calculated designer board games um yeah uh and there will always be room for that but i think that um one thing that's really um cool about uh, about uh games that are easy is that i think if you really think about like what a decision is and like what we what we think about like human agency and human what what, what fascinates us about decisions and how people yeah. play is that yeah. degree of like I, I don't want to use the term mysterious, but like that term that like, you know, it's something that taps into sort of the complexity of human beings and, yes. and individuality and like um, that this person does some move that I would have never thought of. Um, they're mm-hmm. thinking in some totally different way that is sort of more reflective of them as a person. And yeah. 
I think that there's something, um, I don't know. I think, I think if we care about decisions, which I think we do in the strategy game world, I, I, I just think that, that this is like, I almost, I want to argue, if I find myself wanting to argue, this is just like, it's more like the thing that we're making. Um, whereas like something like chess is a little bit more like a puzzle or more like a, you know, like a, a problem. And I, and I think that that's, that's maybe another way to phrase it is that we're, we're saying strategy games should be less puzzle like. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It's sort of like, um, like just in life, like, like if we're talking about like games as reflecting life, right. If you think about, you're going to make a decision, like you're going to pick a house to buy or something like that. Right. You can like have a whole bunch of inputs to that decision and like base it on like the neighborhood and like the property value and like the tax, you know, there's a whole bunch of things you can base it on, right? The year it was built. But at the end of the day, you're making that decision based on like you just making a pro con list doesn't make the decision for you, right? Mm-hmm. At some point you have to step in and use your like rough human heuristic to make right. that kind of decision, right? And that's just how we make all of our decisions in life pretty much, right? Yeah. Like you can't you just never get full information. Right. And that's so, true. That's true. Even in chess and go, it's just that there's more, you, there are more things like on that pro and con list that are like, um, more restrictive. I guess it's more restricting that space of that, um, sort of human, uh, ultimately I just like sort of pick something based on some kind of preference that I'm not fully aware of. Yeah. Because it's like the game will jump in and say like, in the example with the Bishop coming across the board and taking your queen, right? It's sort of like the game is jumping in and saying all the other considerations that you could make are irrelevant. Like the one that matters is that you need to get your queen out of harm's way. And like you either see that or you don't see it. Right. Right. Like it's very binary. And um, yeah, binary is a good word for it, I think. uh, Yeah. Because the kind of games Uh, we're talking about would be a lot less binary. They would be a lot more. There'd be more axes on which to gain advantage or to... um, you know, to, to make mistakes, you know, and, and I guess maybe right. the word donkey space and I don't yes. know, we had a recent uh, discussion about uh, the true meaning of donkey space. I have an right. understanding of it, um, I, but uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. Yeah. So now we're circling back sort of to our original discussion that we had on the discord, right? So we were talking about like simultaneous action games and Yomi and that sort of thing, right? So that's sort of like in, in the game, literal game Yomi, uh, which is kind of like, or we could just go with like rock, paper, scissors or something, right? No, no, we have to actually use Yomi because like it's weighted, right? Yeah. So, um, like you could be, you could be playing a character that has really good attacks. Right? Mm-hmm. So I like uh, on a first order level, like I know you want to attack, right? But you might throw, which is kind of like going into donkey space or whatever. Um, cause like you're doing like a suboptimal math move, right? Based on like the expected value of your move. Mm-hmm. But, you, we both know that that's the case, right? Yeah. So this, um, like this Yomi simultaneous play thing, is a way. This is my argument now. Is this is a way to make games easy, without making them uh, a lot more complex and like keep, keeping them deep. You know, like there's still a lot of like implications and decision tree and like things to think about and all this, but the game when you're playing it is still easy and it like it's still. Uh, like you can get, like if you don't do a whole bunch of calculations, you can still get rewarded, right? You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, but in the case of Yomi, Yomi is a game that is very random, and that you need to play many matches in order to find out who of two players are better. Like you need to do like a best of seven or something, really. Sure. Um, 
So, but, but so, like setting aside like the the feedback, right? Like I'm talking about the aesthetically, uh, sort of the ease of like the ease of play, right? Yeah. Like I'm talking about like uh, the smoothness or the um, I don't know. We needed a better term for this. Like yeah, this is part yeah, of the yeah. reason I wanted to bring it up to you, but yeah, like this feeling of like flow or um heuristics or playing with your gut and that kind of thing yeah it is that but it is that through the way that all random games are that poker's that too Um, sure yeah like there's downsides that come with i think like i wrote down a list of things that cause this to uh happen in games and yomi's one of them but there's like downsides right so one of them is like you get unclear feedback um or another one that i wrote down is um uh like timers right like that's like the simplest example of making a game sort of incentivize you to play with your gut right uh is like just put a timer on it it's like you play chess but you have a 10 second timer or whatever well timers i'm glad you brought up timers because actually i think timers have so on the one hand yes it cuts off the calculation or whatever at some point but that sort of you know that sort of incentivizes calculate really fast (laughs) like stay really focused and and so like it's the furthest thing from easy and in fact i think aesthetically when there's timers a lot of the time it it creates that feeling of like tension like oh my god go go," you know which is quite far from i think what we're talking about right yeah there's two downsides right like one downside is like it causes that feeling of like panic or whatever Um, and then the other downside is like, yeah, I think some percentage of players are going to continue to try to calculate, even though it's like, maybe not, it might not even be like in their best interest anymore. Right. But they just, I don't know, sort of feel like they could calculate. So they're going to try to calculate faster. Right. And then some percentage of players are going to like switch over into like playing with their gut or whatever, which is the behavior that we were like trying to optimize for. Right. So like timers are like absolutely not a perfect solution. But they are yeah. something that can cause people to play with their gut um, in certain contexts. Yeah, no, that's true. Although I think a lot of those people, so like I know, you know, we both know some board game players who they basically take the maximum amount of time every every time that they play anything and they <laughs> sit there and they like try to come up with the optimal move. And if you put a timer on them, they're like, okay, I have 10 seconds in which to figure, I get as close as I can to that optimal move. Right. And so it's, it, it. whereas someone like myself, if I'm playing with no timer, I'm just going to shoot from the hip. And if I'm playing yeah, with a timer, I'm going to just shoot from the hip. So Same. like, yes. you know, I think that I, I've in the early days, I think of my theory, I was I was a little bit warmer towards timers. And over time, I've started um, to sort of think that they just don't. I mean, they, they have a practical purpose in some settings, like certainly in like tournaments and things like that. But um, as a as a answer to some of the problems that we're talking about, I think they're not. They're just not that helpful, I find. Well they, well, they don't work on everybody, right? Like, I think different people have different responses to timers. That's true. Right? That's true. Some some people uh, start to go with their gut, and some people try to calculate faster, like you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's definitely not a perfect solution. Like, it doesn't solve the problem for everybody. How how do we? Let's say you have a single player turn based game. Let's say you made one of those. Um, yeah. That'd and be cool. <laughs> how do you, other than timers, um, how can you incentivize? So, and we've talked yeah. about things like there's there's things about the rules. I think ultimately the rules themselves are the the biggest way that you can incentivize um, yes. uh, this kind of from the hip play. But I'm curious yes. if you have any not rules um, wise uh, ways of suggesting to the player that they should play in this Ooh. way. Oh, that's a that's an interesting. No, I don't have any of those written down. All the things I've written down are rules. Uh, uh, but yeah, like 
Like, like um, what? Like, if you just said on the screen, like, put a thing on the screen that said, like, play with your gut. <laughs> yeah, just just make a move. Don't think too hard about it. Go for it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, like, does that have any? Like, is there anything like that that could have any effect? I wonder sometimes. That would, yeah, that'd be, yeah. So, like, just generally speaking, this is some, this is like what I'm interested in pursuing design-wise for the next little while is like yeah. techniques for making people play with their gut, like mm. whatever they are, right? And okay, so here's another one that I've seen in games, right? Like Uwe Rosenberg does this. He's like a complicated Euro game designer, right? So. Like, uh, have you played Caverna, Keith? I have, actually. I just got it in the last, uh, like, few months, and I played a few matches of it. I've also played a lot of Agricola and stuff like that. Yeah. So in Caverna, when you start the game, there is an array of building tiles that are available to all players and that are available in all games, right? And I don't know how many there are. I don't remember. But there's, like, I don't know, 40 to 60 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, just an absurd amount. So... uh, one way that I've seen games try to um, get people to play with their gut that doesn't work on me very well, and this is just like an anecdotal thing or whatever, but is like to just uh, have the complexity, uh, like the onboard visible inherent complexity be so high that I just give up. Yeah, go style, basically, right? Right, exactly. But like, I've always felt really weird about that, like as a player. Yeah. It's like, because I, because I sort of have this suspicion that other people aren't giving up. <laughs> yeah, they aren't to some extent. I mean, I I played a lot of like Agricola with a friend of mine who was one of those uh, game players who like he sat there, he made everyone wait right. while he sat there and thought about it, and he beat us every time. And right, um, you know, because we were sort of playing more from the hip, and yeah, so they literally they are doing that sometimes. And right. also, you always have this like little feeling in the back of your head if you even if you don't do it that you could be doing it, and it, it feels right. sort of like you're disappointing yourself and you're like not you're not fulfilling you're not playing right you're not really yes. trying like exactly you know i want to feel like i'm trying i i do want to feel like i'm playing seriously i'm trying yes. but I, that i that there's that it doesn't really help me to sit there and like calculate out every little thing and i think that's where a lot exactly. of these rule concepts come in like you know hidden information or you know info, uh, yes. information horizon in particular um, exactly yeah yeah so like yeah, it's this thing where, like in a multiplayer game, it's cool if everybody's playing from the hip, and it's cool if everybody's brain-burning and calculating, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem comes in when some people are calculating and some people are playing by the hip. Sure. Um, and then, yeah. And then that's sort of like... That sort of maps into a single-player context and sort of doesn't. Like, it depends, like... Because some single-player games, like ranked games, have, like, leaderboards and stuff, right? So to the extent that people are caring about leaderboards, like, that same problem arises again, right? It's like you sort of have the suspicion that some people are calculating and some people are not. Um, yeah, anyway, so yeah, like that's one technique that I've seen designers use is like this over-complexity or, or like over your complexity threshold, right? With the problem being that some players have different complexity thresholds than others to where they're going to like switch over to playing with their gut. Yeah, and arguably, even if you and I were to play and we both consider ourselves like from the hip players, you know, yep. somebody's doing it more. Somebody's calculating more, probably. And yep. so, you know, um, and they're going to have a little bit of an advantage in a lot of those kinds of systems. So there's a question of like, 
can I I'm I don't think you can make a game a strategy game that's like meaningful where you completely eliminate that. I think that there's always yeah, going not. to be some amount of yeah, you can do some calculating and get an advantage. Um like I think it's I just I can't conceive of a game where that would be completely impossible yet yep. the game still like has meaning and you know I leads agree. somewhere logically. You just hope that it's kind of like short and easy calculation. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's kind of what you're going for. Exactly. Yeah. Like on the, on the more tactical level and yeah. yeah. Um, Okay. uh, Another one that I came up with is like, if you don't know the whole deck, right? It's like if, if you and I played race right now, race for the galaxy or wingspan, um, we kind of like have an idea of like what's in the deck, but I don't think either of us have like memorized it. You know what I'm saying? So like uh, at this point, talk- I might have I might have memorized all the race for the galaxy cards, but uh... but even if you know the, all the cards, like I think I know all the cards too, but we don't yeah. know like exactly what the proportions of all of them are. Sure, or, sure. Like, what the percentage of getting like what well, the expected val- point value of a new card is, or something like that. And and you don't even go through a whole deck during the game, right? No. A lot of times, so like or right. maybe ever, I forget. Uh, it's, I always play the digital one, so it's harder to remember. But so there's this thing of like if you sort of know like things about the deck but not the deck exactly you know what i'm saying right that's like a way to get this like rough heuristic thing going right Mm. um like you kind of like when you sit down to play race for the first time or something um and like you learn about like the military strategy right where you like conquer uh military worlds you sort of have a rough heuristic idea of like what a reasonable amount of military worlds to be in the deck would be yeah you know even if you've never seen the deck before you go like well if i explore really hard I imagine that the designer has made it so I'll find one. Sure. You know? Um, so, like, that's kind of, like, in that direction, right? Another yeah. one is the action funnel, which we already talked about, which is, like, the uh, no-stress chess or whatever, or Castles of Burgundy or Wingspan have this. Um, where Actually, like... most most modern and video games are, are pretty good about that. Um, in fact, maybe they're yeah. too good about that. But, like, yeah, most modern designs, almost every game, that's what I That's what I kind of am hinting at when I, I often make this little, like, somewhat glib uh, comment about, like, if, so, if someone created Go in 2020, that they would get, like, yeah. laughed off the stage. And a big reason for that is that, like, right. it doesn't have anything like that. It doesn't have any action funnel. It's just, like, mm-hmm. this big old board with, like, yeah. a bunch of grid like... on it. Yeah, play yeah. wherever you want. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh my god. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. Like no one, no one would make a game like that now because I think we've we've sort of internalized some of those <laughs> concepts. Like that. Yeah, it's too many spaces to consider. Right. Especially if I'm considering them all equally because I don't have like a ladder of heuristics or whatever. Right. right? And because the thing you're just... placing is like a stone. It's like the most simple elemental thing. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, you know, like, oh, it's a tank. It's a siege tank. And it takes up, you right. know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of like hooks of meaning that you can put on mm-hmm. things that, yeah. Or, okay, so another one I came up with is, like, sub-goals, like, in Wingspan, uh, like, where it's saying, like, do some set collection. Or in Race, it'll be, like, get a whole bunch of development cards or something like that or or whatever. Like, uh, cards that sort of imply goals on them, right? Um, or goals that imply goals, like, um, in Axes and Acres, one of the Brangit games, like, it'll say, you should chop down trees or something, and you get points for that this game, but not in every game, right? Mm. It's sort of giving you, like, a heuristic to, like... Like those hey, quests, like, kind of. Yeah, you go this way. Yeah, quests is another good way to say it. Yeah. Another way is like managing the information horizon or like having like an ambiguity engine, like something that's providing you new information over the course of the game. Input randomness. Yep, exactly. Uh, Another way is like not punishing people for mistakes too hard, which we sort of touched on, right? 
which um, uh, I think that actually goes both ways, which is it's not just not punishing people for mistakes too hard, but it's also not rewarding people for good moves too much. It's basically changing the level of dynam dynamic, you know, st uh, state change per um, per move uh, right. so to make, making it very confined. And actually going back to Yomi, one of the things that bothers me about Yomi um, is that you know, um, in in one move, in one rock, paper, scissors interaction, you can yeah. have like 45, 50 damage dealt yeah, to a like, player. It's like, well, I just, I just cast my ultimate and there you go. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, it would be one thing if like all the attacks, you know, every single turn, someone was losing four to five to six health, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, right. You know what I mean? Uh, but when the, the, the amounts can be like half your health in one shot, that's a good example of one of those things that we can sort of like tune back uh, in terms yep. of this theory. So I totally agree with that. But I will say that a thing that Yomi does well in that regard is Say you just ultimate on your turn, right? And it's like a 45 damage ultimate. Like, because I couldn't have known that you were going to do that, like, for a fact, um, I couldn't have, like, calculated out that out. You know what I mean? So, like, I still had to play with my gut before that happened, right? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not getting punished for not calculating. I'm just getting punished for being unlucky. You know what I'm saying? I Yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah. Well, that's just a different problem then, right? But Like, but I think... Like, I think I think that that's better, or maybe maybe not well, in all contexts, but yeah, like, it's, it, that's it's, pushing in this direction. It's two different kinds of uh, of of the same problem of like whether whether the the cause is randomness or whether the cause is your agency. In either case, if the state can radically change, um, you know, in in one turn or something, um, yep. I think that's something that we're sort of like saying don't do that a little bit, right? right. Because yeah, it doesn't I can make it better that. that it's randomness, really. Right. I can maybe well, I I can maybe agree with that, but it does it does make it better on the axis of playing with your gut if it's randomness. Right, because you couldn't have calculated it. But it's the randomness that does that, not the size of the of the impact. Right. What I'm saying is, the size of the impact doesn't affect how much you can play with your gut. It doesn't. True. It's not relevant on that axis of this axis. Of yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I was I was expanding it to a broader argument of yeah, you know, right. even just more broadly, you shouldn't have yeah. these wild state changes in your in your game. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I, like we could have that conversation. I think that's like a another big one but um yeah but yeah i don't know i don't know what uh, how to boil that down quickly um <laughs> uh, and another one i came up with is like uh synergies or like card combos or something like that mm, is going yeah. to have like a whole bunch of like emergent complexity in the game um that might not be calculable so this is sort of like the overcomplication thing though like like in Cavernum where there's just a huge array of buildings because like you theoretically could go through the deck and like go through all the combinations right but in practice people don't do that for whatever reason um so it is this sort of thing that's not calculated right whether or not it's calculable we'll set aside for a second but it's not typically calculated by players so it's contributing to this sense of like playing with your gut it's like i think that this card could combo well with some card that uh like this production world in race for the galaxy can combo well with something that consumes really high right and you're not really thinking about like what those things could be but you're like i'll explore and try to find one of those or whatever well it's those it's that sort of set collection-y kind of like uh footholds of meaning where there's like right. these yeah th these things are set up for you and so yeah right. and, and absolutely yep uh yeah and also i was i was curious if there are any ways that you you were thinking of that can make people play with their gut 
uh, other than what we've talked about already so yeah i mean all of these absolutely i mean and this is a project i've been you know very seriously interested in for for a while and thinking about a lot and recently one i'm thinking of as another frontier for this kind of operation and like how to do this better is um i i i and i've had hints of this for a long time but like uh i guess just to ask the question of you like what it, let's say you took a game, it t- game X at some, uh, let's say it's a single player strategy game or whatever. Um, yep. And we want players, it doesn't have a timer and we want players to play from the, from the hip. And it does, you know, it, let's say it does a, a decent job of some of our rule things or whatever. Right. It, it's yep. like, you know, it, it has an information horizon, stuff like that, but it's not like a, it, you can definitely do some calculation as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of like an average attempt in this, in this regard. Yep. So, let's say take that game and then we make we skin it right and we give it a theme and we and and then we give it a different theme (laughs) and like with these two different themes how can we use the theme to change how people play and i that's something i'm very very interested in and i i sort of wonder because i i think that certain themes um invoke a certain kind of like uh affect towards the game um like toy like themes um Mm -hmm. you know cuter themes probably would lean people towards being like oh this is like a fun like nice thing and i'm just gonna like play around you know whereas like military like uh do or die you know kill or be killed kind of stuff may lean people more towards uh towards uh the the more calculation what do you you think about that I totally agree with that. Like, I, anecdotally, like you hear people talk about like playing Agricola or something, right? Which is a game that I find when I play is hard, right? Like, there's lots of calculation I could do, yeah. And mistakes are heavily punished, and this sort of thing, right? Totally. But, but you also, I hear pe- of people playing in such a way where they go like, oh, like I can make a little pen of sheep and sure. fill it with a whole bunch of sheep, and like that would be cool, and whatever. Like, who cares about like, you know? calculating out whether that's better than getting planting crops like i don't care like i want to get sheep and that's cool <laughs> yeah so yeah like i think you're right on something about like uh theme yeah like i don't know like cute or twee or like um low stakes or um yeah toy like sure um i'm not sure i haven't thought about that enough i think but that is an interesting uh access to think about this on yeah, I mean, like, for, for me, like, as a, you know, somebody who's obsessed with rules, like, I, I think I tend to, my inclination is to underestimate how mu- how important that kind of stuff is yeah, in terms of how people perceive too. games. And I so, think we're I, similar that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, because it's like people, it's like affordances, right? It's like mm-hmm. we, we can use different affordances to suggest, just as we can suggest, like, oh, this looks like a a hammer so i probably can like nail something down or break something you know um in the same way this looks like a you know like what kind of situation is this is this a situation yeah. where i'm playing and um actually that's another word that i wanted to uh to throw into this conversation is the word play yeah. and how these hard games that we're talking about like to me a lot of times like if i'm playing chess and, and we're playing chess right now in the uh, in the book club um yep. and it's good to go back to from time to time and stuff i i personally hate it but um yeah. but like regardless of how someone feels about it like it, it to me it, it it feels let's put it this way it, it feels less like play 
than right. does uh, one of the MOBA games or, right. um, you know, even a fighting game or something. Um, like, uh, certainly like something like Smash Brothers uh, feels more like right. play than... Um, than chess does and so right. i think maybe the word play has some some uh totally help here use yeah definitely yeah i completely agree with that like or another example that comes to mind when you said that is like in dota recently um they've added a whole bunch of like items to the jungle like random drops that you get in the jungle i heard uh, about that yeah yeah so and the effect of that on me I, I can only speak from my own experience right but like uh is that i it's blown past the complexity budget for me in my head like i can't calculate out what's opt like i can't even begin to think about uh what's the optimal play or whatever mm -hmm. i like have to with my item choices i have to play with my gut uh, at that point right yeah because like i've never been in this situation with this item on this hero or whatever um and plus dota is a real-time game right so it's like i don't have time to think about it like i have to yeah to get to the position to, yeah. to the lane and, and be doing a team fight just be there whatever. yeah yeah <laughs> so like dota has to me through that change been pushing towards play for like how i am interacting mm. with the system um but i think that's the combination between like the over complexity angle and the real-time thing of dota right which we it's haven't like talked that. about real time yet um which would be good to get into before we yeah, uh, it's, finish it's up sort of like the timer thing and it's also sort of not, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because, because yeah. well, because yeah. the because the real time, the continuous time, is a game resource, whereas mm -hmm. the timer in a turn-based game is not. You well, have. Oh I well, I guess in some times it sort of is like in Go. If you go over the timer, you lose a point, that kind of thing. But it's yeah. it's mostly not. As long as you play within the time allowed to you, it's all free time. You just you can just use it all for no cost. Yeah, you can. Yeah, that's yeah. Whereas well, in it, in a real time yeah. game, every second basically counts, and that, being one second late to the team fight or whatever can be the difference between winning and losing the team fight. Yeah, that's true. So in Militia Two, there's a timed mode that I added, but it's not timer like you just get thirty seconds on your turn and that's it. Uh, I'm trying to think of the specific implementation details now, but like it's something where like you can build up time. Yeah, yeah, yeah the bank system. Bit. I know what you're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah uh, Prismata a, has like, the same thing. Yeah, it's not like you can. There's limits on it, right? It's not like you can just build up infinite time or whatever by but playing really, really fast in the early game. I, I'm but yeah, very, there's like some yeah. play there, right? Yeah, but that's but it's totally disconnected from the rest of the game, is my point. But it's sort of like treating time as a resource in a similar way to a real time game, because like if there's a move that you feel very confident about, it's in your best interest to just play it and not go through any of the calculation at all. Uh, to save time for like a move later that you might need to give more consideration to. Right? Yeah, sort of, but it's it's still less connected than the continuous time in a real time game. Yeah, I, I, guess. I, I, I totally agree. Especially yeah. because like think about like animation times and like how long yeah. it takes for a, a a dragon to come back or whatever. Like all that stuff is all based on like time. It's all totally. You know, time is like the grid of the game, basically, in a right. sense. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. Um, yeah, so I mean, I you know, real time games. I've talked a lot about like you know that there are issues with real time games. But with that said, like if you can mitigate a lot of the problems of real time games, I think that they have. There's a lot of promise there, and I'm I'm you know I'm I regret that I didn't make Escape the Omnicronom real time. I think I could have. Yeah. Uh, if I if I go back to that, I think that's what, how I'm going to do that, and I think that there's there's potential there. Um, so I'm definitely not against real time as a possible option. Um, yeah. although I, I, I'm, I generally tend to prefer 
like turn-based or some kind of um you know phase-based sort of thing where yeah um uh because i i think that i i, I don't know uh i i i guess i go back and forth on that how do you feel about that real-time and turn-based you picture yourself ever making a real-time game yeah maybe um wh- one thing that i'm glad you brought up escape the Unacronom, actually because when you uh you were talking at that point about like having very large grids or whatever and when i was playing escape the Unacronom, like um like there are moves that you make in between going to a lane or something, right? Yeah. That, that for me, anecdotally, I would play by feel. You know, like I'm not. Yeah. Not, it's not like I press the arrow and then I like consider this as a new turn and then right. go. Right. Of course. What are all the implications of everything that's moved or whatever? Yeah. I'm just like right, 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 or whatever. Right. Which is more like um, a roguelike style movement. That's like kind of what I was going for a little bit. Right. So I think there is something there that. In terms of like, um, like there's just something about the nature of like space and like patterns and people being able to chunk that uh, heuristically, mm-hmm. where it feels like you don't need to calculate each turn. Um, yeah, and like your mileage may vary based on players, right? But yeah, I think there's something there in terms of like a large grid and incentivizing that. But I think it's pretty delicate. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's hard to with with. Um, I'm actually, I did have, uh, some players who like seriously, seriously played and did sit there and think about their moves and optimize right. every single move, which means that a game is going to take like, you know, hours to finish. Um, right. Which is, then, like, at my point, like from my perspective, like that's like where like, people were playing minus strategos like that, uh, mm-hmm. one of the brink games. And like, you know, at that point it's like head in hands as the designers, like, this is not the fun thing that I was trying to make, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's like i put a timer in right like as a stopgap solution but sure um and then like interestingly like i took it out like there's a mode where you can play untimed in minus Strategos because some people like just really like calculating and you know and some people really hate the idea of a, a timer in a single player game like they find that so offensive i've noticed right. definitely yeah and then like there's you know there's a panic element too like where people like get um sure feel uncomfortable with it or whatever yeah, it's funny because like I remember back in the day, like sort of saying, like when I went through a timer phase where I was like, yeah, yeah, games should definitely have timers, and yep. and but then I was like, I, then if I played a game that had a timer, I was like, I don't want there to be a timer. <laughs> like <laughs> aesthetically, I don't like this. You know, I, I right, want there like, to not be a timer. I'm playing with my gut anyway. <laughs> right. Oh, well, that's true. I guess yeah, it wasn't for me. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think I sort of lost track of your question about. Well, I was just asking about real time games and how you felt about them and whether you would make one yeah. or. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I totally could see myself doing that. Uh, I've played around with like a few real time prototypes, um, but I think I'm sort of like I'm a minimalist, just like by personality or whatever. Like I like finding the core of things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, what I'm interested in exploring right now is what are the rules based uh things mechanics or whatever you can do to incentivize the playing with instinct mm. um within like a turn-based context right sure well or at least within a turn-based context you kind of like have to do it i don't know like you're not get you're not given all this like real time sort of does it a big chunk of that itself you know what i'm saying yeah so like w- when you don't have that tool of real time then you have to like kind of dig deeper into the problem and find out like what are the nitty-gritty things about how this is working or whatever yeah and it's not like real time has no downsides either you know so i mean there, no. there's yeah. by by doing a turn-based game you are avoiding a lot of those issues that real-time games have so yep. yeah um 
That's interesting. Yeah. Um, this I think I think that's maybe unless you have any other uh, notes or questions or anything you wanted to touch upon I think we're coming about about an, a little over an hour now so we could uh, what do you what cool. do you think uh, I think I, I only have one more point uh, that sure. I forgot to mention um, which is uh, one thing that happens like in hard Euro games or Euro games that I find hard is like um, like you can imagine like a complicated setup of phases or something like that like that right where there's like the upkeep phase and then like the unit movement phase and the whatever. And like one thing that can make it feel hard or harsh or whatever is like if it's easy to forget some of those orderings or something like that. Like just what are the rules? Like how mm -hmm. does this, you know what I mean? So one of the easiness factors is like how easy is it to internalize the game structure and just like forget about that? You know what I mean? Oh yeah, 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 and I yeah, like a well-designed game sort of teaches itself. I love the idea. The when I was working on Dragon Bridge, somebody said to me that like the rules should just uh you know reinforce what the game already tells you, sort of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, that it should all kind of like go down smooth and and go down naturally and sort of work. Things should work the way that you expect, right? Yeah. So it's not like oh, I forgot the troop movement was before upkeep or whatever. Right. Uh, and so therefore, like I lose my army. And like now, this game feels bad or harsh or whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. I should I should have calculated that. Like, like that was known to me, and like, um, whatever. Yeah, it, yeah. It's punishing me for not calculating. Yeah, that's another kind of maybe axis that's sort of related to this, but the whole idea of like, um, you know, things kind of like having a feeling of like kind of unfairness sometimes, maybe like, yeah. um, and whether or not they actually are unfair, like they're probably not unfair, but like, um, you know, I'm playing a lot of smash 64 right now. And, um, uh, I think it's a, a great fighting game, but there are some major, major problems with it. When you get high enough skill in that game, there's a lot of these like zero to a hundred combos that are yep. basically unescapable. Um, yep. and, you know, it's, there's that kind of stuff. And there's like, you know, uh, that like certain things that can happen in chess where like, Oh, I didn't see like two moves ahead that this would happen, you know? Yep. And then it, yep. everything collapses on you. And maybe this is related to the, um, the other point that we already made about like game state being able to, uh, only ch able to change so much in a certain yeah. given time. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe that's just what that is, is that that can create that feeling of like, this is like unfair or like, this is yeah. like not how this should go down. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah, and there's like this concept of like disproportionate punishment too, of like, it's like my, like with the chess example at the beginning, like with the bishop and the queen, like mm -hmm. my punishment is that I lose the game and my crime is that I didn't see your bishop all the way across yeah. the board. It's like, it's yeah. not, it feels, yeah, unfair, right? Like that's right. It's a good word. And, and the I, thing I is- totally, players are going to overlook stuff like that's just going to happen so i yeah. think the only answer is it's i don't think it's about making a proportionality thing i think it's right. about there just can't be a game state that's like change that's that huge in one turn or one you know second or whatever like that that just cannot be allowed to be part of the system because players are gonna make mistakes and we have to like allow for that you know right i bet we could have a whole podcast about that um, yeah so maybe that's maybe that's a good point to end <laughs> sure yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that well I, was, I, I before we wrap up i did want to ask you like what are you what else are you playing are you playing any uh video games or board games uh i'd love to hear about that sure uh i've found myself playing very few video games lately uh i still play dota occasionally and uh really like that i've got like three thousand hours in dota or something like that nice. i think that's the only game i've ever like uh dive deep into mm -hmm. like because typically like i'm very much like a 
like jumping around games and le- learning systems and digesting them and how they work and blah blah. It's blah. the game you live in. It's the only game that I live in that I've played like consistently over a long period of time. Gotcha. Um, uh, so I play that, and then uh, board game wise, uh, got a whole bunch of new ones. Um, I've started playing this game called Keyflow. I don't know if you've ever heard of Keyflower, but um, oh yeah, I think I have. Yeah. So Keyflow is kind of like a, um, well, actually related to this discussion. Keyflow, when I play it, it, it seems very hard to me, mm-hmm. right? On this axis that we've been talking about. And Keyflow is sort of like an easier version of Keyflower. Wow. But it's not, to me, it doesn't seem less deep, right? That's the crucial um, distinction, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it's more random or something like that. It's just easier. <laughs> yeah, over the years, I'm realizing that like depth is not that hard to achieve. Like depth no. is, you know, depth is like a, one of the starting points of your design, right? If you just make something complicated, then it becomes deep. Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. As long as like, it like basically functions, you know what I mean? Yes. At least, yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that there's a way overemphasis on that element. The problem well, is trying to yeah. balance that with the easiness, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I think it's a reaction to video games where a lot of stuff is in video games. It's I don't shallow. think is very, is quite shallow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, so yeah, I mean, but in the board game world, depth is like the starting point, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really enjoying Keyflow and uh, yeah, a whole bunch of other designer board games as usual. And uh, that continues to be a great and an inspiring source of new game ideas. Nice. Well, maybe sometime uh, I could have you teach me uh, Dota 2 because uh, I, I really never got into Dota 2. I, I recently have started uh, playing more uh, Heroes of the Storm and I just don't like it as much as League of Legends. Um, yep. I, I expect probably I still won't like Dota as much as League if I play it more, but I, I am curious about it and interested to see. Like, uh, you know, the fact that they're making rat, anyone who's making huge systemic changes like years into their game i'm kind of like interested you know like i'm i'm here for that yeah i sort of have this like sneaking suspicion that like uh, have you you've heard about how riot talks about how they're not trying to just do changes for the sake of changes they're trying Mm -hmm. to like approach like a optimum game or whatever yeah the right design for league of legends yeah i sort of have the sneaking suspicion that that's not the case with dota (laughs) like yeah they just make sometimes they just make changes to like change the metagame or whatever you know like and do they um, do they claim publicly like no 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 we're not doing that because I feel I like I don't know if I've ever I don't know if I've ever seen a claim about that I feel uh, like the so Dota like, the designers are a lot quieter about what yeah. they're doing and how what their process is and what their thought process is which is yeah I so, yeah that that one of the, my favorite things about Riot I mean I have a lot of problems with Riot but my favorite thing about them is like when they put out a new patch it's like okay here's a video of us talking about the patch with pro players yeah. here's a podcast about the freaking patch here's a yeah. you know a giant the best patch notes in the world that are like annotated with like uh just like all these details about like motivations for every single freaking change um that's so cool uh, that 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 sort of stuff is like uh really just a game designer's dream I think totally totally yeah so i don't know where i got that from well but, but yeah, i'm like also I, fascinated I, by the the, uh, the other thing which is dota which is yeah. just this like wild forest of like um, yeah. now we're doing this you know like that's kind of compelling to me too in a different way yeah yeah well I, i'd love to teach you and then we could have some uh deeper conversations about dota in general and uh that would be awesome sweet sounds good well thank you so much brett lowey for coming on the podcast as always and there will you will be back i hope uh because uh it's always really good i feel like every time we have a conversation it's like we we could go on for hours i'd love to be back and thanks for having me it's been really fun all right thank you